I'm Dr. Jay Anders, and this is Tell Me Where It Hurts, where we discuss some of the big challenges in health IT and how we can solve them so clinicians can do what they do best, care for patients. I'd like to welcome everybody to another episode of Tell Me Where It Hurts. Uh, before I introduce today's guest, and we have kind of a kindred spirit, I think, the, the guest we have today and, and me, it's interesting to go down this road of trying to find something that works for physicians using a physician or provider-centric way of actually developing healthcare IT so it works for them. Um, so a little bit of my own experience in that regard, um, I was the president of a multi-specialty group practice, about 125 physicians. And back in 2004, we decided, well, maybe it's time to start looking at electronic healthcare. And this is long before anybody was doing healthcare, electronic healthcare. So we found this little company called Integrate. Integrate had at that point in time, uh, 12 big clients. And what I mean by big clients, two of them were the largest multi-specialty group practices in the country. So it was easy to say, well, maybe these guys have what we need. So uh, the whole kind of, you're a consultant, then you're kind of hired part-time and then all of that, trying to mix practice with being a chief medical officer of a healthcare IT company, all didn't work too well. So finally got into this full time. Well, that's where I ran into this company called Medicom. And I got to meet Dave LaRoe. Uh, and Dave's quite a personality if, if people who don't are not familiar with Dave. Um, so I've known Dave for 17 years now. Um, but this company was the medical nomenclature at that point in time of Integrate. What that meant was that all the things that we would document as clinicians in the medical record had medicine-based IDs. So it was our way of actually making coded data work for us. And it was the old standard template process. And it was quite frankly, at the beginning, a pain. Uh, it really didn't adapt to what we did. It was hard to do. We had, being the chief medical officer, I had clients calling me all the time. Can we make this better? What's going on here? I need this. I need that. So it started down a path of meeting with Medicom pretty much on a monthly basis for a long period of time. And that was the basis of our new product called Quip, which is now the one that we are installing into new organizations of which today's guest is a chief medical officer of. So it's with great pleasure that I introduce Bill Hayes, who is the chief medical officer at CPSI, which is a publicly traded company a leading provider of healthcare IT solutions and services for community hospitals and post-acute care facilities. And this particular group of clients are these critical access hospitals. Uh, CPSI orders, offers a, a acute care solutions through Evident, Get Real Health, uh, post-acute healthcare solutions throughout the American healthcare technology system. Uh, Bill, by training, is an internist and cardiologist. He spent, like I did, the first part of my life in the trenches treating patients. And subsequent to that, uh, he has been a physician exe executive in the field of healthcare IT, most recently working for Cerner Corporation. And that's also kind of a unique thing because a lot of us in this business came from a large group to another large group. So it's kind of interesting to, uh, to be friends with Bill and know Bill and have that kindred spirit. So welcome, 
Dr. Hayes, to tell me where it hurts. Jay, thank you very much. I appreciate the invitation very much. Um, yeah, I'd like to reiterate quickly what Dr. Anders has said that uh, I think he and I have found a kindred spirit in this electronic health record, health information technology world. Uh, it's, it, it definitely resonates with me in the conversations that he and I have had. Uh, Jay, I appreciate your kind introduction. Um, happy to be here and happy to talk about the exciting things that are coming that we, CPSI and you, Medicomp, are going to be working on for our healthcare partners in the trenches still. So I, I told a little bit about myself and how I got into this um, kind of business. And you're the chief medical officer at CPSI. Can you tell us a little bit about how you arrived where you are now in that pathway? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, I have to admit, if someone had asked me five or well, maybe even more 10 years ago, if I'd be in these shoes at this time, I would have told you probably unequivocally no. But it's interesting how life just happens for all of us. So uh, I was moving along, practicing interventional cardiology, treating patients in hospitals and clinics and emergency rooms, and very happy with my practice and what I did as a physician clinically. And uh, along, there have been some tremendous innovations in healthcare antibiotics, sterile technique that have had huge impact. But I challenge everybody to think about really what has had the most impact on the delivery of healthcare in this country, especially in the last 15, 20 years. And that's been computerization, healthcare information technology. It affects every way and how we deliver the quality of care we deliver. That being said, in practice, uh, the system that we ended up purchasing in my, my practice uh, was an interesting experience. You know, here I was practicing in what I thought was a, a good workflow, high quality way to the best of my ability. And suddenly this information system, if you will, or EHR or e EMR uh, was installed uh, and it absolutely changed how I had to go about providing my care on a day-to-day -day basis. And I'll be honest with you, it was frustrating. It was difficult. My comments are industry-wide. It doesn't matter who the vendor is. Uh, but I realized that, you know, a long day became longer for reasons that I didn't understand and didn't think actually were as beneficial as they should be or could be. I guess part of the thing I talk about for me is sitting at a computer at two o'clock in the morning in my office or in the hospital and not being able to find information that I need to treat the patient in the best way I could just didn't, and I'll say this in quotes, didn't compute well with me. It was a difficult thing to experience. Uh, I do have a funny sense of humor. Just ask my wife. Uh, that being said, uh, I actually went home one night and, uh, you know, here it was, was a system, you know, that I was paying for out of my pocket as a physician. We had purchased it for our practice. Um, and then just as a practical example, I will literally tell you, I bought a dragon, a dragon license to dictate a lot of procedures with into the system. Uh, there was a text box. I am not a computer scientist. I don't do programming. I've, my colleagues in my company have helped me understand it much better than when I was a clinician solely. Um, was that I would start to dictate a procedure report. And as we all know, the true workflow of healthcare to every clinician and provider, there's no interruptions, right? Ha, 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 ha. There's thousands of interruptions every day, right? So a system has to be able to work with your workflow and not dictate your work. So when my nurse would come in and ask me for a script for Mary Jones and that Mr. Smith had slipped in his room in the hospital and that could I see an extra patient and would I take a phone call and, and get back to the insurance company in the next five minutes, I'd go do it and come back. The unfortunate thing that I quickly realized in the system we had was that there was no scroll back for the text box. So what did I have to do in order to complete it? Because I wasn't sure I remembered five minutes earlier all the things I had dictated in that report. 
Okay, you can probably guess. There's a button on the computer we all use all the time. It's called delete. So I would delete everything I did and start over and try to get it done in one workflow you know, swap. Otherwise, it wouldn't get done. And I thought, this doesn't make any sense to me. So I called the vendor who we purchased our system from. And um, not only was it somewhat hard to get a response from them, and I'm being honest about it, um, when I offered not what I thought was a Nobel Prize winning solution for a scroll back in a text box so that it would fit the workflow better, um, the response back eventually was, well, we haven't really heard that complaint. We're not going to pursue that. And I thought, wow, wow, where is the clinic? Where is the clinical input? You know, where is the expertise about what we're doing on a day-to-day basis? So you asked me, I, I don't mean to ramble on, but how did I get into the business? I went home and I have a very, very practical wife and I complained to her about it. And she looked at me and she said, don't complain. She said, do something about it if you can. So I thought, well, that's interesting. So I went back and sat at my computer in my office and I looked up all the HR vendors in the country uh, and I wrote them all a letter and said, hey, I'd love to try to help you. I'm a practicing clinician. I think we can do better. I think the potential of the EHR and the EMR is so much greater as it has been shown in other industries that if we work together on workflow and clinical input and information, of, you know, uh, information availability, if you will, in the systems, we can all make it a better healthcare system with EHRs in it. And suddenly I got positive responses and actually started doing some consulting work in that area and found it was very rewarding to sort of be the clinical voice or the, the voice of my colleagues uh, on, a, on a workflow driven system. Um, suddenly what you realize as a practicing physician, all of us who hear this today know that uh, it already takes a tremendous amount of time plus the time the EHR had added to my day that I couldn't do both full time or at least do both fairly well. And my wife said I had to pick one after a while. <laughs> so for me, I just decided uh, that I would make the full leap and uh, move over to working as a physician executive in electronic health record. Sorry, that's kind of a long-winded you know, way to describe how my career changed unexpectedly, and I have no regrets about it whatsoever. I know I've had some of my colleagues say to me, oh, you've moved to the dark side working for a vendor. But you know what? How else can you help to improve a vendor unless you're working with them. I learned that from consulting with them. And I was welcomed into the vendor. So, uh, I mean, I'm very happy about that. You know, it was very, it's very interesting. Um, in this industry, when I first got into this as well, there wasn't a whole lot of clinical input from anyone into these systems. They were done by usually programmers or analysts. And they think, well, we think the doc does this, or we think the nurse does that. And they came up with something that most generally didn't fit very well. So I, you know, I'm glad that uh, you got into this business. I think I've been an impactful part of this. One of going to the dark side, it's interesting. A lot of my colleagues now ask me, well, how'd you get into that? And I said, well, you know, think about this for a minute. When I was a practicing internist full-time, I would see between six and 7,000 patients a day or a year. That's, I would impact that many lives. In this business, we pack, impact hundreds of thousands of lives. If we get it done right, we allow clinicians to do what they do and do it well and allow them to have some satisfaction in what they're doing. And along those lines, what was it that just really frustrated you enough to say, okay, I got to get involved with this? Uh, I, I think part of it was, and it goes back to exactly what you're saying about kindred spirits and seeing the fact that I don't think there was enough clinical influence or input. And part of that maybe is on us, Jay. I, I don't know, you know, in the sense that 
when these brilliant software programmers came to us and said, okay, you know, and there's been a lot of talk about taking a paper record and making electronic. Well, that shouldn't have been the idea to begin with, but a lot of that occurred just because, you know, that was the electronic record, right, by definition. But even more importantly than that, I guess, in a way, was when they came to us and said, now, look, you know, even when they asked for some input, what do you need? And what did we, what did we probably tell them? We needed an allergy section. We needed an order section. We needed a documentation section. We needed a family history section. You know, we needed a radiologic section. And these brilliant software engineers went off and built as exactly what you said, what they thought would function as a section or an application. And all of a sudden they sent us all these applications and you realize that a, a set of 40 or 50 applications are just silos. They're, they're places where things happen. That's not the workflow uh, of, a, of, a, of a provider, of a clinician. So what tremendously frustrated me was, wow, there's this tremendous power. I always kid people as I sit here in front of my laptop now, uh, the fact that I can pass my hand behind the screen and in front of the screen, it's about an eighth of an inch. And everything in the world can happen on that, that little distance. The power of that is incredible. That, you know, in a system that's driven by applications, it's not driven by the workflow. You know, maybe we, in a way, didn't pay enough attention or, or, or make it clear enough, as you said, or they didn't ask for the input adequately, that that wasn't the way they should have been designed. A lot of the systems, not to be hard on them, but a lot of them were designed for financial reasons in the beginning. And counting financial things is a different sort of totally different thing than having a profile level patient or a profile level process for the care of a patient throughout their entire life. And that whole idea about uh, being driven by the applications or having to go to the applications versus the application supporting the workflow of the provider is what frustrated me the most. And I guess even beyond that, especially now that I see the relationship with Medicomp and us, um, is the fact that I am all for interoperability. I am all for full exchange of information. I always give an example that if I lived in Tampa, Florida, and I went skiing in Val, and I unfortunately had a skiing accident, and I was unconscious, and had a medical condition that, uh, say, malignant hyperthermia for, you know, for anesthesia, that they would need to know that. I don't care who the vendor is. I don't care who gets that information to them. That is extremely relative high value information from the data, okay? So that being said, as a physician and a clinician, part of what I think Medicomp is so, I'm so excited about with us and, this, and, and us and our partnership is that all of that information should be available. The 21st Century Cures Act, the HIE, the EHI, you know, the designated record set, but the relative information that the anesthesiologist needs to know to save my life, I just want it to be there as an extremely important piece of information, not data to save my life that day, if that makes sense. Um, so part of the frustration for me is let's be practical. I would sit at my computer when I was practicing and I would be looking for a piece of information on a patient and go out to multiple places, get lost, get the circle of, I call it circle of progress. I'll leave it at that, uh, if you will. Um, the fact that, you know, I couldn't find what I was looking for. And then if I did find it, I couldn't get back or I couldn't bring it or use it. That was just sort of an electronic filing cabinet for me, if you will. I remember that those days very, very well. And there was that honeymoon period when you first install one of these systems where you think, oh, this is really good. This is really helpful. I remember just being able to look at a medication list at home uh, for a patient who's on the telephone. It was just phenomenal. But then all of a sudden, 
things started to say, wait a minute, just like you said, they're in this bucket, that bucket, there's no longitudinal view of anything. You're hunting and pecking and searching and trying to find stuff that some of which could be very, very important to what you're dealing with right then and there when you've got somebody on the phone or the hospital on the phone or whomever it happens to be, and you can't find it. That, that was pretty much frustration city from the get-go after the little honeymoon period, about two and a half minutes. Um, uh, Jay, I can share with you. I mean, on a, on a podcast, that I have enough gray hair for everybody, but I can remember a time where I would look for information where I could not find it electronically and I would wander downstairs to the old paper chart room and find something I needed to know. Yeah, that's that's just pathetic, too. So you're involved in a lot of, of industry-level organizations. One is EHRA and others. So where do you think the major problems are right now? And where do you think the industry needs to start addressing things? I think it goes back to what you and I were discussing here a minute ago, uh, and I'll get into a little more depth. Yes, I, I am actually currently beginning to serve a two-year term on the Electronic Health Records Association Executive Board Council uh, for HIMSS. Uh, it probably represents about 90% of all of the EHR, uh, EMR system companies that are being used as a trade association. So we represent the industry as a trade association. Uh, in communication with the ONC, with the HHS, the CDC, they've been great and fantastic and, and looking for, uh, you know, dialogue to help all of us, the government, us, private payers, build better systems for all of us going forward. I think one of the biggest things, again, it goes back to the 21st Century Cures Act and interoperability, which I'm all in favor of. I am in favor of, isn't the whole goal eventually of EHRs and EMRs to have universal access to electronic record information that is patient-centric, right? Again, back to my Tampa Bell example. We don't care where we are or where we got our care as long as it's patient-centric and available to all. Now, that being said, that being said, the interesting thing to think about is the fact that that is a tremendous amount of data, even on a per-patient basis, especially over a lifetime, okay? That being said as well, for you and I as clinicians, when we cared for patients, at the point of care, what we needed was high relative valued information that was relative to what we were doing at that time. Okay. It, it, it's important, you know, that somebody had, um, you know, X procedure had a bunion repaired 10 years ago, but when I'm seeing them in the ER, you know, for atrial fibrillation, I need to know all of the information relative to the atrial fibrillation, you know, in the record, Bring me the relative information. Don't bring me all the data about the patient that helps me care for the patient in a high quality, safe way. Bring me the PTINR, bring me the hemoglobin, the platelets, the, the drug, the anticoagulants on the drug list, uh, first episode, second, you know, ec the last echocardiogram, anything relative to what I need to know to provide care in that setting. That, that is the power of the healthcare information technology to support the workflow of clinicians and end providers. I mean, as opposed to walking over to a terminal, uh, I mean, and getting on and going from application to application to silo to silo to silo, try to figure out what's going on. And sometimes accomplishing some of that to some degree or just not knowing what you don't know. Have the computer help you go through the data, all of that vast data, okay? Physicians don't, and, and providers, we, we, in the right context, we don't want data. We want relative information to the care of the patient at that time. Um, 
that's the power I see. That's probably the biggest thing because, and again, I think most systems were not designed in, with that in mind. That was not the focus. It's sort of the flip side or the other way around thinking about using computers and delivering healthcare, if that makes sense. Well, it makes very good sense. Um, they are, for the most part, transactional. And the country as a whole right now is moving into a patient-centric, uh, make the patient better, outcomes-based type reimbursement system, which is starting to slowly erode away from that transactional, I see a patient, I bill a patient, I see a patient, I bill, it's all in now moving towards I'm seeing a patient and now I really have to demonstrate what am I doing and how am I going to make this patient better? And how is that process moving along? Which is a wholly different way of looking at how you would enter data into an EMR and what it's going to give you back. And the longitudinal view, the taking away of silos now is helping us to try to look at that patient as a whole picture, not just here's this little particular thing, and here's a list of diseases, and here's a list of lab results, none of which is connected, none of which is actually focused on whatever you're wanting to do right then and there and that particular problem. Now, CPSI has been around for a while, and they service what I'm going to call the great forgotten healthcare systems of the world, and that's these critical access hospitals the smaller 30, 40, 50 bed hospitals that are out there, critically there for those patients in remote areas and some of which they're just kind of forgotten as to state-of-the-art healthcare. They're, they're part of a system and they're just trying to survive. And you've made some very strategic moves, uh, CPSI has in the last several years to kind of focus the improvement of what you offer. And since your marketplace is there for the most part, tell me a little bit about how you think these strategic plays are coming along and what you expect to happen or what you expect to present to the clients that you serve. Sure. Absolutely. So just a little background to expand a little bit. Uh, CPSI was started in 1979. Uh, I'm one of the one of the newer employees having been there about four years now, uh, by far, uh, with a focus on the rural community. Um, in the United States, um, the government uh, defines about, about 19.6% or about 20% of all of the U.S. population to be living in a rural community. That's one in five Americans. I mean, that, that's a tremendous amount of number of Americans. That being said, exactly what you're saying is that most of the hospitals that we've served over the history of the company and focused on it have been our specialty is very small critical access or, you know, even 25 bed or less, you know, or 25 to hundred bed, but for the most part, critical access hospitals or rural community hospitals, you know, that are tremendously resource strapped, both HR wise, financially wise, you know, resource wise, uh, technology wise. I mean, and the interesting thing, I guess, that I, I like about us is our company. And I think it's more of a challenge is the fact that we are a company that provides an electronic health record. We provide revenue cycle. Matter of fact, one of our companies under CPSI is American Health Tech. And you know, we're the second biggest skilled nursing facility, post-acute care, uh, EHR, I understand, in the country. I mean, so we serve a tremendous amount of the population uh, that sort of isn't sort of considered sort of that big, if you will. And it is that big. 
So to be saying that the reason that we've made the moves we are making is because what I'm proud of and I hear in our hallways sometimes or a lot of times is people saying, hey, we're a healthcare company. We have to help these partners of ours. We refer to them as partners. We see them on site. You know, uh, we spend time with them because it's not just in any way that we just sell them a product or sell them a service because what you realize is that we have to be the ones who spend the time, me, I'm happy to do it, reading the physician fee schedule rules, you know, all 2,500 pages of an edition or 1,500 pages of an edition, um, the regulations, the, the regulatory requirements, the rules, the changes, the CMS changes, you know, the ONC changes, because they don't have the resources for that. So all of these things we do as their partner and we'll share with them. We share with them on a weekly basis, these things. Hey, you need to work on this. We're going to help you with that. And did you, are you aware of this? And even beyond that, then, and then we move into the EHR system. And I guess what we realized too, is for them, as with most hospitals, whether big or small, it's one of your largest investments, whether you're a small hospital or a big hospital, uh, from, from a capitalization standpoint. That being said, then it has to be as helpful, as useful, as user-friendly as possible. And I guess when I think about the fact that some of our sites may have one physician working at night, you know, maybe covering the ER and covering the hospital because they're small, they absolutely, uh, it's my, it's our duty, it's our responsibility then, not that all physicians can't benefit from these things in big hospitals as well, which is our idea going forward in our partnership with Medicomp, the way we see the world, because we're focused on the end user, not the size of the hospital per se, but back to your comment about how can we help the rural space? Well, in these communities, if we bring tools to them that the computer is working for them and they're not working for the computer with that limited amount of resources, that's a huge benefit. Increase in quality of care, ability to give care, appropriate care, follow rules and regulatory, follow guidelines, uh, follow ECQMs, you know, quality measures, you know, all the things that will improve it without putting extra work burden on them. And that, our, our, my ideal vision, I guess, as a physician is on behalf of, again, all the clinical end users out there, Yes, that's where we're focused and that's where we're building these things and pursuing these things. And I guess part of it as a smaller company, maybe it makes it a little bit easier for us with smaller clients to make change. You, you and I both know, Jay, we both got MBAs later in life, maybe made us a little more dangerous. But the fact that culture eats everything for breakfast. I mean, so when you bring along change, it has to be a positive change. And if you bring them a positive change, even on a one-by-one -one basis or a small scale, with an EHR or a workflow, you're going to make a tremendous impact in a positive way for that. So along those lines, you have now signed a strategic partnership with Medicomp. And I'm like you to talk a little bit about how you came to discover Medicomp, what they offered, and what you ultimately thought we can do in a partnership together. Sure, absolutely. You, this will put a smile on people's faces. Uh, we were at Hims, and uh, we one of the reasons that our company goes to Hims is because we look for partners in the ex exhibition floors. We're constantly looking on the internet. We're looking for people who have innovative ideas, innovative functionalities that we think can help fulfill our mission for our rural community hostels or our clinical users, no matter where they are. And it was the end of Hims two years ago, I guess. Where <laughs> about, I think 2018. Was it 18? Uh, about. Wow, I'm getting older faster than I thought, Jay. Where I got a text on Thursday afternoon, I think the floor closed at four o'clock and I got a text about quarter to three from two of my colleagues saying, hey, would you come and help us take a look at this company called Medicomp? 
they seem to have an interesting concept that they've worked on for 40 plus years. I think you guys were accepted as a company around the time CPSI was. And I said, yeah, absolutely. I mean, matter of fact, I always kind of laughed and kidded that there are really a lot of smart entrepreneurial people who see healthcare in a different way and are solving problems that, you know, we wish to solve that they've already either solved or are, are way ahead of us in doing that. Uh, and we realized that partnering with somebody along that line is hugely beneficial to the people that we serve, our healthcare client partners. So anyway, I walked over there and sure enough, we had about an hour left on the floor and uh, we walked in and we sat down and Jay, you were there and David was there. Um, and you guys started to show us how the medicine concepts worked and quit, you know, the quick clinical lens and the quick engine. And I just sat there back, you know, it was the first time I'd ever seen it. And for all the years, for the reasons I've explained to you earlier in this discussion, that I had to work for the computer and I didn't like it and I couldn't find things in the computer and I got lost. And all of a sudden I started to give you, you showed me a few clinical scenarios and how the medicine concepts were brought in as the relative high value information, which is exactly what I referred to earlier. But then I thought, okay, I, I have to be a little skeptical here. I have to start to give them concepts. So I gave you, I think, AFib. I think I gave you CHF. I think you, I gave you renal insufficiency. Um, and all of a sudden, the medicine concepts went through that, that huge volume of data in a patient's chart and brought me the relative clinically connected concepts to the concept I wanted to know about or I was treating that day or the problem I was addressing. And I kind of have to admit, I sat back there somewhat speechless. And I remember walking out after we were done. And I said to my two colleagues, Jody Harbour and Stephanie Durkak at the time, I said, these guys have the right idea. They have done the work already that changes how this system can work and the power it can bring to the person who's at the point of care. And I will never forget that impression. Uh, and, uh, and my impression and my thoughts have not changed to this day. Uh, that's why I'm so glad that we've partnered together because I think that this whole concept, uh, well, you know, when we go back to Larry Weed and problem-oriented charting, I mean, uh, the ultimate goal is to do problem-oriented charting. And with your functionality and your ability with clinical concept connections, I forget the number. I think, David, is it it's several hundred million or I forget the number? I apologize. The, con the connections are about uh, 12 million connections, and there's probably 400 plus now concepts. Yeah. I mean, it's just some astronomical, you know, number that the fact that you realize that this is the way to get the high value information out of a large amount of data from the patient, because that is the workflow. I mean, that is, matter of fact, I, I laugh in a funny way. I understand how the clinical connections were built, how you guys, you know, put them together, you weighted them appropriately, you know, and how these have been built over 40 years. But as I, as I kind of, I, I made up a funny term, I said, it's sort of like cognitive logic. What you're realizing is that it is trying and it is bringing you the information that you would go looking for, that you need to know to make decisions or as good a decision or as high quality a decision about the care of that patient at that time. That is fantastic. I mean, any and all clinical users who realize that the system went in and figured out information that they needed to support what they were doing at the point of care, that's, that's the thing that I, I guess that was what I thought was tremendously missing in the systems when I first bought the ones and used the ones or experienced the ones in my clinical practice. What frustrated me. Um, it almost leaves me in a sense that every time I see it, when you guys came on site with us here to our headquarters a couple of weeks ago and stood up your engine and before you all left, you know, I saw that functionality in our Thrive evident, you know, system. I mean, 
it, it's just the beginning. And I just think the potential to care for patients, especially as you said, as we move to value-based medicine, as opposed to E&M coding medicine or transactional medicine, the ability to provide better care involves the fact that you need to know the relative high value information to care for that patient. And that's what the medicine concept bring forward for you. The outcome, the HCC coding work you guys, you do all of those sort of things, all of these things contribute to better patient care in a way that supports the workflow. If somebody likes the workflow and feels like the computer's working for them, it's a different world in the EHR world. I, granted, I, I love Amazon and I love Ford and you know, computers are important and the power they've used you know, in their industry has been fantastic. We as an industry have lagged behind. These concepts, these visions, these ideas and this partnership, I think will definitely change that. Great. Well, we're kind of coming down to the end of our time here and I ask everybody the same question. If there was one thing in healthcare IT that you could wave a magic wand and change and everybody had to do it, what would it be? Oh, wow. <laughs> There's so many things. I guess uh, that's not an excuse as an answer, Jay, to be honest with you. Uh, there are so many things on my list. I'll just real quick, when I first joined the company and I joined the strategic initiative council that we had to drive innovative ideas and visions, I like the fact that we are having an innovation team and we have vision and everything. When I came in, it's sort of like when you sit down to take a blue, blue book test and you write one or two pages and everybody, you know, and everybody else writes a ton. Well, I sat down and I realized that my list was several pages long and everybody else's list wasn't anywhere near quite so long. So there, unfortunately, I can't tell you one. And that's not to, that's not to dodge the question in any way. There are so many things as a physician in this industry that I want to see for the benefit of all, uh, every one of these, this partnership going forward, as well as many other things. Sorry about that. <laughs> that's that's quite that's quite all right. Um, I've I've had multiple answers in the past, and and I have no answers in the past. It's hard to come up with just one thing in this industry because you and I both know, as clinicians, we are constantly thinking about in our roles how can we make it better, and that list gets keeps getting longer and longer and longer as we go through. So Bill, if people want to know more about CPSI and what you're doing and your strategic initiatives, how would they get a hold of you? Sure, Jay. Absolutely. I'd be happy to anybody, anytime. Um, you're always welcome to go to our cpsi.com website, uh, but I will also be happy to share. My email is very easy to remember. Uh, it's my business email. It's Bill, B-I-L-L, dot my last name, H-A-Y-E-S, and that is simply at cpsi.com, bill.hayes at cpsi.com. Well, Bill, thank you so much for being with me today. Uh, it's been a pleasure as usual, and I look forward to our talking the next time. Great. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Uh, I've enjoyed the conversation as always and look forward to working together in our partnership to better healthcare going forward. That's all for today. Thanks for listening to Tell Me Where It Hurts. Tune in to Healthcare Now Radio and Podcast Network each month for the latest episode. To learn more about Medicomp Systems, visit our website at www.medicomp.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at MedicompSys or myself at MedicompDoc, or check out the show notes for links. See you next time.